the Making Sense of Life podcast number 35. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sonora Hager. Thank you to all our listeners from around the world who come and join us on interesting conversations on all sorts of topics, but particularly on topics that can help us make sense of life in a world that's increasingly challenging and increasingly complex. How do we grapple with, with, with the tough issues of life? Well, today's topic, and you know that I, 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 we don't look at small topics, today's topic is life, what is it really all about? And uh, it's a huge subject. And as I said, it's not particularly, it, it, it's a huge topic to look at. So I've got a, a special guest with me today. It's a great privilege and honor to have Rico, Rico Tice, who is a senior minister at the church that my family and I attend in, at uh, All Souls Langham Place in central London. Hi, Rico. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. And I want to apologize because last time I was meant to be here, uh, when you were holding a Christmas lunch for all your neighbors, I was sick. So I didn't get here and blew you out, I think about two hours before the talk. So Sunil, I apologise. Uh, we forgive you for that, Rico. That's not yeah. a problem, yeah. So Rico's been at All Souls since 1994. He's married to the lovely Lucy, and they have two sons and a daughter. Uh, Rico's a Bible teacher, and also, in his spare time, it's a huge project, he's the founder of what's called the Christianity Explored Course, a seven-week study that takes you through the Gospel of Mark. And it's, he's been developing that over the years, and it's, at any one time, you have, what, 10,000? Yes, yeah. 10,000 courses running at any one time. We're in about 100 countries. We've got 22 official translations, but many more translations where people are running it and then waiting to hone it so it's culturally appropriate locally, and then they'll print it. But we find we've got to get local people doing it so they own that. That's fantastic. And and we're going to explore this more and more, your passion for, for the Bible and your passion for sharing the Bible with, with other people. But from that Christianity Explored course has come to a, a couple of other courses, the Subject Explored and more recently Life Explored that's come out um, in, in, in 2016. That's, a, uh, again, a series of short films from around the world that expose the little gods of our lives, gods of selfishness and pride, but also ask that deep question of where do I go for happiness? That's right. So Discipleship Explored is a journey through Philippians. Life Explored, yes, is really... An Philippians o- is the book in the New Testament. The book of the New Testament, that's right. Yeah. Um, and really that's about once you're a Christian, what does it mean to find joy in Christ? Life Explored really is is about an overview of the Bible. So we look at key moments in the, in, in the history of the world, the creation of the world, uh, um, uh, uh, the fall of mankind, how the brokenness and sin came in. Um, we go through those key moments, and as we get to those moments, we ask ourselves, 
why won't we turn to God? And the reason is there are other gods that God that are good things, but they've become God things. Yeah, they become too important to us. We unpick the idols. Yeah. Okay. So, but just thinking back, so our conversation today is about life. What is it really all about? And part of the answer to that is this issue about the good news and evangelism. Now, Rico, your title at uh, All Souls Church is Senior Minister Responsible for Evangelism. Now, evangelism and evangelist are not really words that I don't think we really very well understood in our time and culture. And I think when people hear the word evangelist, they think of tele-evangelists or somebody speaking very harshly and judgmental, ju judgmentally about them, about saying the end of the world is nigh and doom and gloom. And yet, I think understanding what it means about evangelism and evangelism are very relevant to making sense of what life is really all, all about. So maybe you can start. What is it? You know, it's your job. What is an evangelist and what is evangelism? Well, well, an evangelist is really someone who speaks about Jesus and trains other people so that they can get better about talking about Jesus. The word evangel means gospel. Uh, it, it has this sense of great news, but it is great news about the person of Jesus Christ. And, you know, Sunil, I'm, there's lots of things I'm ashamed of around the church. Swinburne said, I would love Christ if it were not for his leprous bride, the church. I mean, right. people have had a bad experience of church. Gandhi himself said, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, it's, it's a very similar thing. Is uh, I, I love Jesus. It's, it's, it's Christians who I find great difficulty well, with. Well, <laughs> exactly. And I'm not, I'm not denying that. But what we are saying unashamedly is the person of Christ is utterly magnetic and flawless you know in the sermon on the mount he says love your enemies pray for those who persecute you as he's being murdered he cries out father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and so my job as an evangelist I and mean, it's a wonderful job is to not only speak of the person of christ myself but also to equip the church family so they can communicate christ better okay so that's what evangelism and evangelist is, is about and as you said, it's, it's your job, it's your job role, but it's more than a job. I mean, it's something that you're very passionate about. Um, why, why is it something you're yeah, so look, passionate about? I mean, it's, it is it's a, much more than a job. So yeah. it's amazing that people will pay me to do this job. It's an incredible privilege. But I think that, uh, yeah, that's right. I, I would, if I was, if there was no payment tomorrow, I should have probably, well, I'd find another way of earning a crust to support my family, but I would do exactly what I'm doing with my time, which is to try and, speak of Christ and equip others to do that and you're right this is a heart issue yeah um, it's so what in your life has has, 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 has has made you think this is the most important thing I should do with my life well I think coming from a non-christian family is huge so I was... so even though you're obviously British yes background, and, and but, yeah because many I'm people a... would equate being British with being Christian yeah no no I, 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 I was brought up in a sort of Anglican British home but um, we never set the Bible was never read. There were never prayers. Um, my mother, I guess, went to church now and again. But when I was at school at uh, 16, my godfather was killed in a cliff fall. And a maths teacher said to me, look, when Christ rose from the dead, he rose to get you through death. And I remember thinking, if that's true, it's the most important thing in the world, because the brevity of life had hit me. I mean, the, just the shortness of it. This was my godfather. It was um, the 6th of August, 1982. Suddenly he's killed in this cliff fall. No one has spoken to me about death, either at home or at school. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die. What's the point of all this? And I've never lost, Sunil, that sense of the brevity of life. I'm sure as a doctor you must feel it yes, too. Yes, no, absolutely, yeah. But I think but at that young age and coming that experience, that, that was obviously quite, quite pivotal. Well, it, it was pivotal. And then, you know, when you speak yeah. about Jesus, there's a lot of rejection. Yeah. But I think if as a teenager, as you're forming your identity, you have it. Now, there was an arrogance in me. 
you know, at school as I became a Christian, but it taught me that, it just taught me to live with some rejection. So who shared the message of Christ with you? There was a maths teacher, this maths teacher, Christopher Ash, who's a minister now. Um, he was the one who ran a little Christian group. There was a small group and a school of 650 boys that met. Uh, but I, I found very quickly that, that Jesus is uh, the aroma of life to death, uh, of life to some and the smell of death to others. So it, there is conflict as you speak of Jesus. It's amazing. There's conflict, yeah. even if you do that graciously. And I think it's because when you speak of Jesus, you're telling people you are not owners in this world, you're tenants. Yes. And you need God's forgiveness. Now, of course, that is extremely provocative if someone says, no, I want to be the owner. Yeah. And um, particularly if they're quite gifted and think they can do a good job with the gifts that God has given them. So they take the gifts and ignore the giver. And if, yeah. you, if you're reminding them of that fact, that's profoundly antagonistic. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's obviously it's, it's somewhat scary to share that because it can affect your friendships and, as well. Well, it is. And I, I, I've written a little book on evangelism called Honest Evangelism. And, and one of the reasons I called it Honest is let's just be real about this. Um, no, it immediately made me an outsider. Yes. Becoming a Christian following Jesus means that you're... Again, in, in a British, in a white British context. Yes, in a white British context. I, mean, I was I was sort of... Um, look, my dad grew tobacco, so he, he worked abroad. So my brother and I got sent to boarding schools in this country. So I was at a boarding school. Now, the thing about an environment like that is you can't get away from the people next to you. In a student environment, in a, in a um, most environments, you can escape your neighbour or, or, or even your work colleague. You can move. But in that school, you can't move. And you're young and immature, and I admit I was. But it meant that there, I just suddenly hit this extraordinary conflict around the person of Jesus. And um, yeah, that was. And, and what was it about Jesus that that really then made you think that, that, that I'm going to give my life to him? Well, I I was convinced he was the answer to death, Sunil. I mean, yeah. I, I it was as simple yeah. as that. I I we're going to die. My godfather had died. Oh, yes. I knew I was going to die. Jesus had risen. I think there was historical proof yes. for it. So I started to follow him, and I suddenly found people I couldn't believe it. Why turn away from the person who offers you life? Right. And what I then found was that my friends probably thought it was true, but they were in chains to their sinful nature. And there was a chaplain at the school as well. There was a chaplain at the school who again had a huge impact on me because he didn't teach the truth. And uh, so what he was was someone for whom religion was self-serving. That's what the Bible says. If Look, if someone doesn't teach the truth and they're in religion, they're in it for themselves. Right. And uh, I think, you know... Um, uh, you know that was what was going on and um you know uh, that that was difficult too because i suddenly realized that here was someone who who wasn't really on a subject that's, that's a matter of life and yeah death. yeah he, he, he wasn't taking it seriously yes, he wasn't telling people that actually there's a judgment to come you'll face it and unless you go to jesus for forgiveness you will be on the wrong side yes. of it now um, that meant that the boys, my contemporaries, left thinking that they were fine because they got confirmed. Yes. But it's not about being confirmed. It's about it's about you're guilty. In God's world, you've not lived as you should. And you can either pay for your sin yourself in hell or you can get Jesus to pay for you as he dies on the cross. Yes. Now, that choice was not being put before my contemporaries. Yes. And it has done them great harm yes. because they think they're OK when they're on the road to destruction. So, so this whole issue of life and death became very real to you. They became very yes, and and has yeah. remained because yeah. I've kept facing death. Yes, um, I I think nine of my contemporaries from school have died. Wow, and um, you know, I've taken the funeral of some of those guys, and uh, I've taken funerals of friends from university. So the reality of the of life and its brevity, 
You know, yeah. so the Bible says about our life, we're like chaff you throw in the air and it blows away. We're like grass that's mown and yes. blows away. We're like water that drops into the ground. We're like a dream when you awake, you think, what's it like? We're like a sigh. Yeah. You know, the shortness of life. Yeah. And until you get your head around that, I don't think you can be wise. Yes. And I suppose, and so we, we often feel reluctant to, to, to talk about these issues because, A, first of all, you know, it can be very uncomfortable bringing the subject up and we fear rejection. And yet you've experienced in your own life as well that when you share that message, although it can be uncomfortable at times, it can also be incredibly life-giving and liberating to people who are willing to receive that message. Yeah, and, and, and of course, you know, the human condition means that people... I mean, I, you know, I won't talk about death all the time, but the fact of the human condition is is that everyone is not far from it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and so, so I think it's having the courage to yes. help people confront that when that yes. comes along. Now, it is easy for me, Sunil, I'm a vicar. They sort of expect me to say it. I say, look, what do you expect me to say? I'm a clergyman. I need to talk about this. Right. And, and and they do sort of go, yeah, I mean, just like as you're a doctor, if you, if, I mean, as you can see, I'm slightly overweight. If you said, Rico, your weight's an issue, I would go, he's a doctor. He's got every right to say that. He's a doctor. And I, I think that makes it easier for me than for the, the average yeah. Christian. But my job is to equip the average Christian to be doing this. Okay. And certainly, yeah, I would certainly agree, because when, when death strikes us, or people we know and love, I mean, in... Of, um, 17th of March 2014, a good friend of mine suddenly dropped dead at the age of 32. Yes, that's uh, right. just three years, just uh, three yeah. years ago, and that you know rocked my world. Just, just a reminder that this life is so fragile. So these these issues have really shaped, in a sense, your passion for for, for evangelism. Well, they have, and they've caused me to cultivate a phrase in which I say, "You have to cross the pain line." Right. So you might say to someone, "Look, I, 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 your friendship's important. I'm worried about threatening it." But I have to ask you this question, mm. um, you know, and here's one that we ask in Christianity Explored in week six. If you were to die tonight and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you reply? Now, can I say these questions are never comfortable mm. and you might get hunger when you ask them. You might get hostility. But the key thing is work out what the question it is. When you get butterflies, still ask it. We all yes. feel it. But tell people the friendship's important. Mm. Say, look, you're important. And because you're important, I'm asking it. Yes. Make sure you're celebrating people and serving them, but then ask the tough question. Yeah. So, so it's, a, it's a measure of true love, really, in terms of how much do, do I truly love someone to, yes. to, 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 to go into subjects that potentially a, are difficult. Alongside trying to share life with them. I mean, but I always have four things on this. I say celebrate people. Mm. They're made in God's image. Ask them questions that make you find out about their life. Mm. Secondly, serve them. Random acts of kindness. Ask them what their biggest stress is. Yes. Thirdly, cross the pain line. Ask them an apposite question. Out of, know, love, out, out of love. Out of love. Out of genuine love. But, yeah. but lastly, what happens to the British, of course, the exit. So if they shut up, you shut up. But if they talk, you keep asking questions. Right. So that bit where Jesus says in Matthew 10, shake the dust off your feet, I think that means, look, if they shut up, you shut up. If yeah. they start talking, so you So don't be keep obnoxious talking. about it. Yeah, yeah just, just if, if, they, if, they, if they suddenly stop talking about it, they, just, they, they go quiet, then don't, don't push it. Let it go. You've given them an opportunity. And I think a lot of people don't ask the tough question because they think, what will I do next? Well, the answer is if they, if they come back at you, chat away. If they don't, just go. they go quiet yes. and you go quiet. So let's just move on a little bit, Rico. I mean, it's all very well and good with the things you're saying there. But we also, you know, people listening may be thinking, we live in a world of so many different religions, so many different worldviews. Why is it not arrogant to say, is it, is it not arrogant to say Jesus Christ is the only way to God? Well, no, I don't think so at all. And that is because Jesus Christ comes to die for my sin. So I cannot earn my way to God. 
but I, I, uh, we can try and be a good person. We well, we can try and be a good person. And surely God would uh, see our sincerity and want us to, to to try our best. Well, those things are important, but they will not put me right with God. God is holy, and the Bible says the only way to be right with God is to utterly obey the law, to keep all His laws. Now, if we fail to do that, we are condemned. You might live much better than me, but that means you've swum two miles across the Atlantic and I've swum 100 yards, but we've, there are 5,000 miles to, to, to swim. Yeah. The only person who's done that is Jesus. Yes. He is absolutely perfect. And what he then does is he says, I, as I die on the cross, will take all your wrongdoing and pay for it. So I'm saying to be Christian is deeply humble because I'm saying I can't rescue myself. I'm asking Jesus to do that for me. So actually, I don't think it's arrogant. I think it's saying, look, I'm absolutely stuffed. All the other religions say, if you do the following things, mm. you'll be fine. The Christian faith, no, no, it's done. It's a four-letter word, not do, two-letter word, four-letter word, done. Christ has done it. Trust in what he's done. And this is the Jesus of the Bible, because I think many people think Jesus is, was just a good teacher or somebody who you know, did some great things 2,000 years ago, but has very little relevance for us today. But that's not, the, that's not what the Bible talks about. No, and if Jesus rose from the dead, the reason this is relevance is the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I know that's against the laws of nature. That's the whole point. God reversed the laws of nature to show us it's his son. But this Jesus has risen from the dead, and that means that every person and all those listening will be raised and judged. And that's what makes this relevant, because the Bible insists there's a judgment day. And it insists the proof of it is the resurrection of Jesus. And it insists that you will have to front up for all that you've done wrong. Yes. Now, if those three things are true, then this is utterly relevant. Yes. Because when you die, you'll face judgment. Okay. And we talk about this more in podcast 29 with, with Chris Wright about what happens after we die. Uh, and also on podcast number seven on religion that goes into that in more detail. But I think that, I think the key thing is that, is that we've got to get past the stereotype images that we have of Jesus as just as just a good moral teacher who came to give us some some good ideas. No, absolutely, and Sunil, I'm afraid that Jesus is the theologian of hell. So the person That's who quite a thing to say, yeah, right? the person who speaks about hell again and again and again is Jesus, and that's because he comes to save us from hell through what he's done on the cross yes. for heaven. But but there's only one Jesus. If if we d discount what Jesus teaches on hell, we've no idea who he is. Yes. He speaks of it again and again and again, and therefore we need to take seriously this this yeah. um, warning of judgment, but then flee to him and say, please, as you die on the cross, pay for my sin. Yes, and I suppose also when we encounter suffering in the world, when we, when we see loved ones die, when we see terrible things happen in the news, it's a reminder to us that this, this, this life is serious, and it's, it's something that we have to think very soberly about, and there's no one who, 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 takes the, who grapples with the complexity of life and the meaninglessness of life and the judgment of life more than Jesus. Yes, and he takes the decision you make about him with ultimate seriousness. And when I say ultimate, I mean ultimate. God has sent his son. If you ignore his son and suppress the truth about the death of his son, the Bible says there's nothing that makes God more angry. Wow. So the Bible says the wrath of God is revealed against all those who suppress the truth. So suppress this truth, O listener, and head towards judgment day without going to Jesus to rescue you mm. and you're in a terrible place yeah so these are really serious issues and and you know people listening may 
have some understanding of it or no understanding of it, but it's certainly worth exploring. So, and you're touching on it. So why should people read the Bible? I mean, you're, you're touching on it, really. Well, let me go back to the resurrection. The Bible is all about Jesus. The Bible is the, a book about Jesus. And it's specifically about that he died on Good Friday and he rose on Easter Day. Now, what's amazing about his resurrection is I think it's historically provable. He lived and he taught. He had a band of followers. He was tried in a Roman and Jewish court. He was sentenced to die. They put a spear through his side. They took him off the cross. They sent, they sent, they, they certified him as dead. And three days later, he's walking around again. Now, if he got through death, he can get me through. Mm. Now, the Bible is about the person of Jesus then walking off the pages of Scripture by his Holy Spirit. And so... Um, you know, that's why I read the Bible, because it's how you meet Jesus who takes you to eternity. And I think it's really important to just emphasize that it's actually reading the Bible, not other people's views and opinions, because there's so many views and opinions about the Bible. There's so many people who, who would discredit it, who would say that it's a book of the past, that it's full of inaccuracies and of, um, of um, contradictions. And yet I think very fine people who say those things actually are not really grappling with it themselves. Well, so no, that's why it's wonderful. We're at the same church together. We, we look at the Bible together. There are lots of groups that do that. But the, there are three bits of advice that Christian history gives about the Bible. Reason, tradition and scripture. So here is the Bible. We, we think it's authoritative. But as we look to find that out, two things happen. One is we look at tradition. What happened in the past? What did people say about the Bible? What did the different denominations say? Read your commentaries. What did Luther, what did Calvin say? Secondly, reason. You and I come together. We don't just get, you know, say, right, that's it, and I'm going on my own. We come together as a group. We read it together. And, and, and I think that process of reason and tradition as we sit under Scripture is very important for a wise reading of the Bible. Yes. So, to, yeah, to really get un understand what it's saying for itself rather than what um, yes, I, I to, might think. Or and I, to do it in community. Yes. So I meet these people who say, oh, I've looked at the Bible. I say, well, how have you looked at the Bible? I say, well, I've looked it up on the Internet. And I'm saying, well... The Bible comes alive. I mean, it's an amazing book, but it comes alive as we look at it together, as we live together. You know, in my marriage, as my wife and I read the Bible and as we um, follow Christ with, with all our sin and selfishness that we're trying to battle with, you know, that makes it so much more real. Okay. From the, one of the big messages from, from the Bible is the importance, and uh, the word's not used directly, is the word of conversion mm. uh, and becoming a disciple, becoming a Christian. Mm. Conversion is, is a very is, is it's a dirty word in many people's minds. Uh, my family comes from India, and certainly in India, it's got a very negative concept. Uh, the, the phrase is used: you, you know, converting from your religion is like changing your mother. Is is a phrase that, yes. that, that, that's used. Um, but even in in the secular West, um, people hear the phrase "born again" or that you need to be born mm. again, and can be feel quite derogatory about that. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I want to again just hit that head on and say the Bible tells us that until we see that the world was made by Jesus, that he died on Good Friday for us, that he rose again and that he'll take us to eternity and that he's Lord. Until we see this, the Bible says we're blind. Mm -hmm. We're not blind physically, but we're spiritually blind. We're walking corpses. That's what I was. I thought he was a swear word or just a figure of history. Yeah. And suddenly... During 1982, after my godfather was killed, I thought, gosh, he's Lord and God. Now, that happened because God opened my eyes to see who Jesus was. So, just to say, you can't become a Christian when you want to become a Christian. You can mm. only become a Christian when God wants you to become a Christian. 
God opens your eyes. I mean, it's outrageous stuff. So, yes, I teach Christ, and yes, we hold out the person of Jesus, but I guess the reason people find this outrageous is we say, yes, it depends on God, who brings us from death to life spiritually. Yes. And, and I can see how people who are sitting there looking at the Christian faith and hearing me say that, and they're not Christians, to hear me say, my dear friend, you're blind, is outrageous, but it's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was what I was like. Yeah, and I think that's just right, because it's, 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 it's an offensive message. Yes, but as you said earlier on, it, it, it's it's a it's a truth that we need to hear that I'm not right with God. I like to think I am. I think if I just try a little bit harder, I like to think that God is just the the best bits of me on on my best day, as it were. Yes. But actually, he's he's as you said earlier on, he's holy, he's perfect, and there's no way that that, that, that I could, by my own good deeds or my own attempts at goodness, well, can reach. That's that. right, and I want to say to you, look, you you're a listener and you're not a Christian, but you're working very hard to care for your family, to be gracious to your neighbour, to work hard at work. The Bible would say about you, that's common grace. So God in his mercy, even though you don't know him through Jesus, nevertheless, you're made in God's image and that shows by how you live and I give thanks for it. But you must come to the person who made you and gave you life and has proved he did that by rising from the dead. So what I would say to you is you do need to be converted. It is outrageous. What? How do you get converted? Keep hearing about Jesus. Yeah. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing yeah. in Romans 10, one of Paul's letters to the, to, to the church at Rome. Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing. So as you keep listening, underneath God will be doing the work. Yes. And But you just keep listening yeah. and hearing about Jesus and he'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, and the important point really is that it, it, conversion is... If you like it's, it's not just one thing that happens one day but it's something that has to keep on happening in the sense that we have to keep on coming to christ every day and and seeing as it were my own sinfulness my own failings before god and those become clearer and clearer so it, it it's, it's not a one-off event it, it carries on through all of life well well i think two things going on there yeah number one when i come to christ i am saved from the penalty of my sin so that's the one-off event i say lord jesus pay for my sin i don't want to pay for it myself in hell but then, um, uh, 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 that's a past tense. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. But in the present tense, I am being saved from the power of sin. And and that's the ongoing battle. As I say to Lord, the Lord Jesus, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, I'm sorry. Be more real to me, please, by your spirit, and help me to fight my sin. Now, wonderfully, one day, that's, that, that's the, the, the present tense, sanctification, but one day, glorification, I shall be saved. From the presence of my sin, I won't even be near it as I'm with Christ face to face with a new resurrection body. Yes. So I think it's that tension of I've been saved from the penalty of sin. I am being saved from the power of sin. I shall be saved from the presence. Yeah. And that's the ongoing journey that, that, that we come on. So, yes. so when we come to Christ, we're by no means perfect, but God is in the process. Absolutely. Now, hopefully what Christians will do is be so secure in Jesus that they will admit their sin. Yes. They'll put their hand up as it comes along and say, this is why I became a Christian. The qualification for being Christian is not are you good enough, but are you bad enough? Mm. And they'll just admit their sin, go to the cross and be humble people to work with because yes. they know the biggest problem is their sin, not yours. Yes, yeah, so that's right. So there, there is that paradigm shift. It's, it's, it, the problem is not out there. It's within my own heart. And I'm, right. I'm the one who needs to change and need to keep on growing and changing. Because Christians can get accused of being very self-righteous. Yes, I mean, if you see that, it's just, I don't know what they're on, those people that are self-righteous. The normal Christian journey is one in which the scaffolding goes on about our own sin, left, right and centre. 
But that doesn't mean that we're not saying to the world, please, please, come away from this sense of ownership in God's world, running things your own way. Because the Bible speaks of God's wrath, and it, it says you'll be handed over to the consequences of your wrong choices in this life, but also you'll be handed over to God for judgment and a place called hell in the next. So sin is the biggest problem. Flee from it, flee to Christ, find forgiveness. Oh, yeah. So, But I, at the same time as I do that, I, I want to do it with profound humility because of the mm. depravity of my own heart. Yeah. And people talk about hell, and they, and they say, well, that sounds all very negative. But they, they can't, you know, in the same way people talk about prisons, and we need mm. prisons to, to deal with, with the terrible things that people do. That's right. I, I, I would, I, can I make a plea for hell to the listener? And I want to say to you, how I treat you matters to God, how you treat me matters to God, how we treat the world matters to God. At the moment, as we sit here in London, there has been carnage left, right and centre over the last couple of months. And I'm saying it matters to God. He'll bring justice to bear. We all want that. A we God all of love cannot, cannot but judge, yeah. judge, judge, judge evil. Yeah. Absolutely. If he's but, a God of love, if he really does care. Yeah. That's right. But that also means that I must face judgment for my wrongdoing. Yeah. And that, that means I must flee to Christ for forgiveness. But but I, I'm never stepping back from judgment and hell. It's a wonderful thing because it means that, that evil matters and it'll be sorted out and and good will ultimately triumph in the history of the world. Okay, okay. so so if you like, these, these are some foundational truths. Let's just move back to you again, Rico. What are some uh, life lessons that you've learnt, would you say, in a sense? Well, I, I, think, I think that I'm going to die and that life is short. And I, I think that, I mean, I'm now 50, I blinked, uh, and it was 25 years ago, I was meeting people I was at theological college with, and, and it's 25 years on. I, we wow. just can't believe that it's this stage. So I think the brevity of life, don't be foolish, you know, mm. we're, we're going to die and some of us, could it could be very soon. Yeah. So make sure you're right with Christ and then devote yourself to him because success or failure in life is what I do with Jesus. So, so you said that, so how, did, how has failure shaped your life then? Well, I, 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 I sorry, I'll, I'll come back to yeah. that. Um, but in terms of success or failure, let me just expand on that, yeah. what I do with Jesus. Yeah. What I'm saying is is that if he gives me life and he dives me and he rose again, the way in which I serve him is what matters most because he's the final judge. So, of course, he declares me innocent, but then have I given my life to his service if I've trusted in him? So I want to say that. Now, in terms of failure and, and how's failure worked, I think that in, in some ways... Um, Understanding how a fallen, broken world affects each one of us and those moments when that really shows in your own life and how you respond to those moments is, is the test of us. It's a terrible yeah. thing to see an older man who's still blind to his weaknesses or his flaws or his sin and he's just going on and you think, mate, if you can't get it when you're 50, that's hopeless. One of the key things for me in terms of failure was a very tough, broken engagement when I, um, you know, 15 years ago, that was that was profoundly my fault, really. And, you know, how did I get myself into that situation? What was I doing? What, you know, what were the idols at work that caused me to 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 be get wanting to get married so quickly, and you know, lead someone up the garden path? You know, uh, that was great. And I I then um I then went to a psychiatrist for the next five years and. 
found CBT, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah. yeah. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What choices are you making? Mm. How are you physically? What's hitting your environment? I found that broken engagement because I felt I've got to know myself much better mm. than I do. And that really enabled me to then, that broken engagement, um, just self-lead much better and try and get the gospel, yes. the wonderful message of Jesus, much more into not just my thinking but my feelings and my heart and my emotional development. Yes, and so we touched on this earlier on. So, that, so there was an understanding in your teenage years of what Jesus had done for you in dying on the cross. But then it's the working out of that into every aspect of your life and every aspect of your humanness, as it were. Yeah, exactly. And there's got to be that integrity, I think, where you you really are seeking to follow Jesus with each area. And um, yeah, I came to Christ because of death uh, uh, and meaning, I think. I then found as an evangelist, it was a great joy proclaiming Christ. But I think the journey of the last 10 years has been a journey of really learning service, particularly with young children. Yes, well, having you know, done, yeah. wh- what does it mean to serve, and, wh- and how, what does it mean to do what no one can see you're doing for Jesus? Yes, and well, certainly being married and having children, that 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 reshapes you in, yeah, com- in wonder- a completely wonderfully. Sanct- I mean, you know, just just having to to just serve and develop and pray and you know those explain the Christian faith simply. You know, all those things have been yes very humbling. Yes, certainly. Um, apart from the Bible, what have you read that we should read? Well, I think there are two books that are outside the Bible, but felt to me as I read them as though they were written by the Holy Spirit in a very profound right. way. You know, I think you, you want to recommend books that 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 uh, you just think, gosh, I, God really spoke to me through these books. And the first is Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. A classic. A classic book, and you can get that in a contemporary version and written in prison, of course, by Bunyan. A very simple man, not an educated man, but an amazing book about about the journey from the city of destruction to to the city of eternal life. An allegory. An allegory, but I found that that very profound. What what in particular spoke to you? I think think it was Pilgrim, Pilgrim's, who's the guy in the, and Christian, it's the, 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 the sense of the soul fleeing from hell and fleeing towards heaven and the profound temptations. You know, at one point, Vanity Fair is there and mm. you see people who have allowed themselves to, to be distracted from what, what what's, most important. what's most important. And, and I think, you know, in a way that the, the, the I mean, look, it's a, it's a book written hundreds of years ago, but it's it's very profound, and I, I found myself sweating as I read it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And anything else? Yes, yeah, so I think a second book from the twentieth century that's been remarkable has been Knowing God by Jim Packer. Right. Okay. I read that after my broken engagement, and I found it profoundly helpful. Again, about thirteen years ago. And what what particularly sort of? Well, I think it? the title is it yeah. Knowing God. I mean, what is life about? Ultimately? If you know the God who's made the world. The better you know him, mm. the wiser you'll live. Yes. And this is a book about the God who made the world and how it explains him as he's revealed himself in the scriptures. So Jim Packer's Knowing God, I found, yes. has been great. And actually, I must reread it. I, I keep it by my desk, great. but haven't read it for a bit. And I, I, yeah. it would do me I've good just, to I've do just it. got it on audiobook. So uh, wow. I've been listening to it on audio. It's, it's, yeah. it, is, it is a classic on that. Yeah. yeah. You, in your spare time, you enjoy golf, rugby and films. Mm. You, you, you say um, 
what life lessons have you picked up from, from any of those areas? Rugby was great. I played a lot of rugby and I've now got 300 rugby books. I collect rugby books. Oh, um, right. So I have loads of autobiographies. When I got married to my wife, I said to her, and all I have, I give to you, and that included 300 rugby books. Whoa. But uh, what rugby taught me was this, was that you, you, when you get knocked over, you've got to get back up. And it doesn't matter how much pain you're in. You've got to get back up. Yeah. And, of course, the Christian cries out to the Lord Jesus. But you, it is a game in which there is a lot of pain well, the new testament is a lot of emphasis on endurance in endurance yeah and i think rugby yeah. really taught me that it yeah. really taught me that you just have to keep yeah. going and endure and i think that was great also you know the the teamwork thing you you can't you know the, the rugby game is utterly dependent on teamwork you just can't do it on your yeah. own and so I think following Christ great. is something you can't do by yourself. I'll That's say. right. You, you need, have a other, with yeah, God you need other people and they've got very different gifts. Yes. You know, some will some will have a wonderful prayer life that's an example. Others will have a great capacity to serve. Others will have a fine a fine mind that you can learn from. So you, you learn as you, but you know, most of all for me at all souls, I look at people, you know, many, many people humbly, thoughtfully serving Christ, living for him in their death, wanting Christ proclaimed. And they live lives that are profoundly eloquent. Yes. And I sort of, as you, I you see... You touch the integrity, you said, as well. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I just, I just think of so many people. You know, I, I, I think of Anne Neller, and I went to... She was dying in hospital on Boxing Day, and I went in to see her. And the nurse said to me, she was a member of our church family, the nurse said, well, we call her Gabby. And I said, why do you call her Gabby? She said, because she shines like the angel Gabriel. Oh. And this was a nurse on... Boxing Day, but it, it was the Holy Spirit at work in Anne Neller's life. There was a, a profound, profound uh, just joy. To, just to interject this, and then the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God that lives in someone who has accepted Christ into their life. Yes, it's an amazing thing. But when you ask Christ to forgive your sin, he doesn't just forgive your sin. He also, by his spirit, comes into your life and helps you fight sin and follow Jesus. And, um, you know, that's, that's amazing. And, and, you know, as Christians mature, they feel worse and worse about their sin. But other people look at them and think, gosh, that person's changed. Yes. You know, they're, they're, there's something about them. Yes, and, and that's a very important truth to, to, to grasp hold of, that as, as we grow in Christ, we we see our dirt, we see our sin more and more as, as the light shines. That's true. And and so your own experience of yourself as a Christian is you, you just think, oh, there's more and more and more stuff because God is shining the light. But, but... You know, Talking Jesus, which was a national survey that's done, said that 67% of people in this country have a Christian friend they like. Mm. And that's because actually Christians are battling to serve and care. And, and I mean, there are an awful lot of them who are authentic. Why do you like that Christian friend? The survey said Talking Jesus. Well, I like them because there's a selflessness. Oh. And, and you know, that's making a difference. And that's, right. um, so and that's, that's the work who, of the Spirit. And that's people who are really living... For, for, for Jesus passionately in, the, in, in their yes, lives. Yes, and, 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 you know, as they live for him, at the heart of that is saying, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry, forgive me your sin, my sin, and, and, and you know, they, they find the grace of God is a great propellant to, serve, to yeah. service. Uh, just when you talk about golf and, uh, and rugby and movies, any particular movies? Or? Well, there are lots of movies that I've, I've just thought have been remarkable over the years. I think Gladiator is an amazing movie in terms of the Christian narrative behind it. Ridley Scott said it was inspired by the Christian myth, but you know that sense of a general um, uh, falling and becoming a slave, and then going to Rome and uh, um, as he becomes a gladiator, freeing 
um, the people, but he dies doing it. So he goes to Rome to judge Commodus and save the people. It's a picture of the Christ story, and that's why a film like that, I think, so resonates in the heart, because yes. it's a redemption story. It echoes the same story of what Christ It said. echoes the... And yeah. C.S. Lewis said, all stories are an echo of that story. Right, OK. Um, who were some role models in your life, Rico, who deeply influenced you, and why? Yes, I think John Stott, who was rector of All Souls. He was in the Time 100 in, the, I think, 2005. He died in 2010. So the Time 100 book, you know, one of the most, 100 most influential people in the world he was depicted as. I think the thing that was extraordinary about John Stott was his submission to scripture. Mm -hmm. So a brilliant mind, but submitted to the person of Christ. And then his single-minded desire to honour Christ, particularly by his own personal life. Yeah. So his integrity, his thoughtfulness, his servant heart, they were all deeply impressive. And certainly his writings have had a major impact on on Christians around yes, the world. Yes, I mean, I think eight or nine million of his books have been sold. Right. And, um, you know, just just remarkable what he set up and what he did. Mm. Okay, so, so we're here now in this, this recording is is in the summer of 2017. What, what, what excites you these days and makes your heart beat faster? I think in the culture we're at a fascinating time and I think two things are happening at the same time, Sunil. Um, one, there's increased hostility to Christ mm. as in the culture people can't bear his high and holy standards um, so there's, an there's an antagonism particularly as we say look the only way to god is through jesus that's a very humble comment because we're saying actually we're so sinful only his death will pay mm. but alongside that hostility there's also profound hunger yeah. if you've if you've got your nerve and prepared to ask a question yes. people are wondering what it is all about so there's a, there's, a, there's a real emptiness and as you said, and hunger. Yeah, there's hunger and hostility. They're both increasing. Yes. And I think that makes it very exciting being yeah. Christian. I think the younger generation um, are really quite radical, the Christians I know, the ones that are wanting to follow Christ, and, I, and they encourage me too. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's exciting try, seeing trying to teach the Christian faith to my sons yes. you know, and my daughter to try and help them grow. Yeah. Uh, I find that exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we touched on, on Lucy, because um, you, you got married in 2008, and so you yeah. have three children. Yeah. Um, how, how is being married and having children? You, you, you've touched on it, but just uh, as, as we come to a close, how, how, how's, how has that, in a sense, affected your walk with Jesus and your understanding about what it means to be his, his, his child? Well, Sunil, look, I'm self-centred. And, um, you know, I, I stayed single till 40. And part of that was in order to be available to teach and preach more. Part of that, I think, was I quite like being single. Being single and the freedom it gave me, and I think that a wife and children really expose what you believe because yeah. you know at a very profound moment, level, are you serving them when no one else can see it? And I think that's been very yeah. good for my integrity. So yeah, so the true Rico comes out. So as it were, yeah, the, the yeah. selfishness and the sin needing yeah. that forgiveness, but all, the yeah. deep joy to have them, but also, yeah. you know, and your wife's under pressure; she's tired. Are you gracious with her when she's exhausted and when she's thinking, you know, what else have you put in the diary? How much pressure am I under? You yeah, know, that sort of stuff. So it's a real, yeah, so it's, it's a real deepening then of, of your faith. Again, it, God brings out aspects of ourselves maybe that we don't like, but we bring that to, 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 to Jesus and we find ourselves being transformed. Yeah, I mean, verses like the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom mm. for many. You know, they're, they're not as glib as they were. Mm. You know, if we're to follow the Son of Man, we need to serve. Um, and serve within the family. First and the of all. biggest crisis in the culture is absent fathers. 
So people who've had children, but they're not there serving and married to their wives. And look, I know that's a two-way street. I know that there are many fathers who'd say, look, I'm desperate to be with my kids and serving them. But I, I, I also see that's the absolutely fundamental to what's happening in the culture. You know, whether I serve and have integrity with my kids, massive. Yes, okay, so thank you for the Rico. It's been fascinating sort of going on this journey with you. Is there anything else you, you want to say that we haven't covered? Well, and I think li- of life and, and what's yes, about. I think life's very simple. I think life is about getting to know the person of Jesus, and I think how you get to know him is also very simple. You hear the Bible, you can hear it preached at church, you can hear it in a small group, so the Christian Explored course. You can and chat. We go to that site, ChristianExplored.org, yeah. to find out more. Yeah, yeah, you can chat with people one to one, but you can read the Bible for yourself, and you know, find a Bible, read it for yourself, look at the New Testament. The four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And maybe John. start with Mark's Gospel first. Maybe, well, maybe Mark. I think it's the shortest and simplest. But I think as you do that, you'll find Jesus walks off the pages. Yeah. And that's what life's about, meeting him. And the Gospels are there. Ask God to speak to you. Don't take anyone else's opinion on those Gospels. Yes. Read find it for yourself. It for yourself. Yeah. And, and, and there are millions, literally millions, who found that life changing. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Rico. And thank you for helping us to mix a bit more sense of life. Pleasure. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.